We'll now have our Bible readings. The first reading is taken from the book of Micah, chapter 6, beginning at verse 6. It can be found on page 900 of the Old Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, the prophet Micah asks God what he is asking of his people. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with the calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with tens of thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading is taken from the letter of Paul to the Philippians, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, and it can be found on page 211 of the New Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Philippi to encourage them to imitate Jesus Christ's humility and thereby set an example which the world will notice. If then there is any encouragement in Christ... Any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and... Being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, in which you shine like stars in the world. 
The final reading is taken from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 8, verse 12. And it can be found on page 211 of the New Testament section of the Church Bible. Verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray together? So Lord, may my mouth speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart bring understanding that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher this morning to awaken our hearts, expand our minds and shape our identity in you today we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. On her coronation in 1953, the Queen was given many priceless symbols of royalty. She was given the royal scepter, containing what is said to be the largest diamond in the world. She was given the orb with a good kind of Jersey St. Juan connection made for the coronation of King Charles II in 1661. She was given as well St. Edward's crown, the kind of centerpiece of the crown jewels. But before all that happened, she was presented with something else. Described in the service as this, the most valuable thing that this world affords. That most valuable thing was the Bible. Over the decades since, I'm not sure how many times the Queen has worn those crown jewels, how many times she's, she's held them. But what I'm told is by her bedside is a well-read kind of Bible. The greatest thing this world affords. The most valuable thing that this world affords. A book that's kind of become woven into her being. And so it got me kind of thinking, it's a kind of a bit of a, I suppose, rector, nerdy sort of thing. Could I think of a Bible verse that could sum up the Queen and her 70-year reign? In a world that's seen kind of huge change, is there a verse for a woman who has remained, at least in character, at least remarkably changeless? You know, let's forget the big picture changes. We know all the big picture changes, but let's just kind of imagine 1952 when televisions weren't the norm and certainly outdoor toilets were certainly the thing that most people had. There are 31,102 verses in the Bible. You can count them if you want. Which would you choose? You might think the task is a bit like some people look for divine guidance, the spiritual equivalent of looking for a needle in a haystack. I'm sure it's never happened to any of you where you kind of open the book a bit like this and you kind of put your finger around looking for some verse of inspiration. Any verse will do without looking. In the end, I chose this one. What I'm hoping that you might see some method, some cohesiveness to the choice in which I've chosen. It's framed within a rhetorical question. A question I'm sure the Queen has asked on more than one occasion. In the words of the Old Testament prophet Micah. And what does the Lord require of you? 
And what does the Lord require of you? Just imagine before her coronation. Maybe the morning after she knew she was going to be queen. Her asking that question. And what does the Lord require of you? And she heard perhaps this response. But to do justice. And to love mercy or kindness. And to walk humbly with your God. You see, the verse is the Old Testament equivalent summary of what she once said was Jesus' most simple and powerful teaching to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And in that sense, it would be a mistake to think of Micah 6, 8 as three actions as something that we have to do, but rather as three phrases which define who we're to be as people. Three phrases, if you like, which summarize and reflect the character and personality and life of the Queen. To walk as his people, humbly in his presence. To be like him in all aspects of our life where we fit our lives into his divine plan for the world. Three phrases, one of them an action, and another an attitude, and in another a lifestyle choice. Firstly, an action to do justice. I don't know how much you remember of the Queen's Silver Jubilee. This is what I remember of it. I remember a street party where we lived. I remember on another occasion kind of having to stand for ages, as a child often thinks it is, watching by the roadside just for the Queen's black car to pass by. And then I kind of remember this. I was only trusted with this kind of 10 years ago by my mother. She kind of thought by then I was old enough to look after it properly. It's a jubilee teaspoon. Sadly not made from silver, but produced in Sheffield. My wife will be happy by the finest craftsman from best quality British stainless steel. And here it is. For some, we've witnessed a silver jubilee, a diamond jubilee, now a platinum jubilee. That word jubilee each time, isn't it? We use it rarely in life, but for those who may not know its origins, its origins are found in the Bible and concern the theme of justice. Today is, as I said at the start, for more than one reason, a big day in the church calendar. Not only are we remembering and celebrating 70 years of the Queen. It's also Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit upon all people. In Judaism, Pentecost is known as the Festival of Weeks. It was one of the five mandated acts of worship that the Jewish people were to carry out. It symbolized the revelation of when God gave the law, which included the Ten Commandments, to Moses on Mount Sinai and also another law the law of Jubilee the law of Jubilee was meant to be enacted every 50 years it was meant to be this time when slaves would be freed all debts would be cancelled all land would be fallowed and all land would revert back to its original owners justice is one of these key themes in the Bible. 
10% of it is devoted to the justice theme alone. It's one of the two words used most often for God in the Old Testament. That God will deal fairly with his people. It's not surprising, therefore, the heart of the Queen's life and royal service has been this theme of justice, hasn't it? Of being a person who treats everyone equally and fairly and equitably and who always does the right thing, whatever the cost. On 51 of the Queen's 70 Christmas Day broadcasts, the Queen has addressed the issue of injustice. From wars to speaking out for disadvantaged groups to looking out for neighbours, addressing themes irrespective of gender, race or background. And to remind the Queen of her role in administering justice, she was given at her coronation a number of ceremonial swords, two of which had their tips cut off, one of which is known as the Sword of Mercy. It symbolizes to the queen in executing justice that she is to do so secondly with an attitude of mercy. And it picks up two themes from the Old Testament so wonderfully that if one of the words used most often for God is justice, the other is mercy or kindness. We know it as the Hebrew word kesed. God will always act justly and fairly because of his kindness in terms of his unfailing love and care for the people. A loving care which the Queen has demonstrated throughout her life. Some of you may have been a few weeks ago at a certain dinner that was held. The protocol of royalty is they arrive on time and they end on time. Whatever happens. But at least on one occasion, the Queen didn't follow that practice. The Chief Rabbi Jonathan, former Chief Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, tells the story of the occasion when the Queen met a number of Holocaust survivors from Auschwitz on the 60th anniversary of its liberation. And it picks together these lovely ideas of justice and loving care. You see, the time came for the Queen to leave, and she stayed, and stayed. One of her attendants remarked of this occasion that he'd never known the Queen linger so long after a scheduled departure. She kind of gave each survivor, and it wasn't a small group, it was a large group, her focused, unhurried attention. She stood with each until she'd finished telling their personal story. It was this act of kindness that almost had the attendant in tears, bringing a kind of blessed closure into these deeply lacerated lives. It impacts, and it shows us something of the Queen as well, when we can probably guess, maybe, that the story in Jesus' life which has impacted the Queen more than any other is the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus' simple message of love that's been turning the world upside down ever since. He kind of showed us who we're to be as people and what to do. That kindness is still as relevant today. And Jesus' simple but powerful instruction is a reminder to her and to us to go thou and do likewise. An action, do justice. An attitude, Love, mercy, or kindness. 
But of course, we're, we're in a church and there's nothing distinctly Christian, is there, about justice or neighborly love? But the Queen's presentation of them is. You see, she roots her understanding of these two concepts in the life and teaching of Jesus Christ. It's where the third part of that verse comes in from Micah 6.8, to walk humbly with your God, which in effect encompasses the other two. To be so much like God in our actions and attitudes that steadfast love and justice just flows out, sums up the Queen. But that has matured through the daily unseen private practice of reading that well-worn Bible. For her weekly attendance at church, wherever she is. This is how one sceptical broadcaster, Jeremy Paxman, put it this way. The Queen's religious beliefs are quietly held, authentic and well-known. You cannot understand her without understanding her devotion to him. In that sense, we could say there is only one person that the Queen calls your majesty. It's all about Jesus. I don't know if you've ever watched how the Queen speaks of him and how she speaks of him so affectionately and intimately. You know, for me, she would say, Jesus is just my anchor of my life. Imagine that. The Queen saying, Jesus It's the anchor of my life. He's my bedrock. He's this compelling example that the teachings of Christ have been my inner light. That I rely on my faith to guide me, to do what is right, to do the best of all the day brings and to put my trust in God. It goes without saying, therefore, that the Queen's sense of duty and tireless and unparalleled service is legendary. Remember that promise she made on her 21st birthday? Where before she was queen, I declare before you the whole of my life, whether it be long, short, shall be devoted to your service. She is the servant queen. Or on Christmas Day in 1952, before her coronation, when she was queen, when she said, pray for me, that God may give me wisdom and strength to carry out the solemn promises I shall be making and I may faithfully serve him and you. All the days of my life, she is the servant queen. Or 70 years later, in her short platinum jubilee letter she wrote, and so I look forward to continuing to serve you with my heart. And signed the letter, your servant Elizabeth R. She is the servant queen, but never forget her faithfulness to her position and constancy in public life is due to her devotion to God. And flows from that daily unseen walk that very few have the privilege of seeing, of living and being with Jesus Christ. In that sense, she recognizes Christ's greatness and humility. She's the servant queen who serves the king, King Jesus, who's this life of sacrifice, whose life of service, and whose life of compassion is the inspiration and role model to her. Jesus, who came, remember in that reading from Philippians, not to be served, a reminder to all of us not to be served, but to serve, who made himself nothing, humbling himself and stretching out his hands in love, acceptance, and healing by dying for us on a cross that God then raised back from the dead, and he now ascends to the heavens. Let me end with one final quote from the Queen. She said it recently. 
She said it in these words, billions of people follow Christ's teachings and found in him the greatest light of all their lives. And then she added five words. I am one of them. I wonder though, of all those Christmas Day broadcasts we've heard, of all the speeches that the Queen has given, her most important and her most impactful one was given when she never uttered any words at all. One that she claims no credit for ever. But it kind of sheds light on her life. It was one she made as a 13-year-old princess when she handed her father, King George VI, the poem by Minnie Louise Haskins to read on the BBC on Christmas Day in 1939 to a nation still bearing the scars from the First World War. As the world then pivoted on a knife edge, what do you say when what lies ahead is the loss for them of sons, husbands, brothers, devastation and terrible suffering. We could think of Ukraine right now. You can't promise that their loved ones will be protected or they themselves will be spared. So what do you say? And she gave to her father, the king, these words. Said to a man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into his unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness put your hand into the hand of God that shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way not far from where the queen was meant to sit on Friday morning in that service in St Paul's Cathedral in the North Transept is a famous painting Jesus It's the light of the world. It's his hand she has held for more than 70 years. Pray you hold it too. He is her light and I pray your light. It's because of Jesus she shines so gloriously that she can go out in the words of Philippians and show the world like we are to show the world. What good loving means and a glimpse of the living God. What does the Lord require of you? To do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God and carry that light-giving message of Jesus Christ into the night. Knowing God will do everything he's promised. His love for us is eternal and he will complete the work in us. He has begun. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Just before we sing our next hymn, let's just take a moment to just pause. On this day of Pentecost, we remember the most sacred part of The Queen's coronation was the part that no TV picture saw. Stripped of her royal robes and behind a canopy when she was anointed with oil on her hands and on her head and on her chest. 
And so, Lord, we pray that the anointing of your Holy Spirit would be on us. That as we go from here, we would remember those words to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.